Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey guys, I'm Whitney Port and this is With Wit. A lot of you may know me from reality TV and the reality is a lot's happened since the hills. With Wit is dedicated to having real, raw, and occasionally ridiculous conversations with the people who have had a profound impact on me. Life-changing moments, life-changing people. Because on With Wit, very little is off-limits. Hi guys, welcome to Staying Home With Wit. Today, I'm chatting with a fellow Dear Media podcaster, Olivia Perez. She is so freaking cute. She is a journalist, entrepreneur, and host of Friend of a Friend, a weekly podcast that deep dives into the next generation of luminaries. Olivia is also a contributing writer to Forbes.com and has written for Harper's Bazaar, Teen Vogue, and Huffington Post. In 2018, Olivia co-founded System of Service, a community that provides accessible and engaging service opportunities for all that strive to create impactful service experiences beyond the dollar. Wow, I can't wait to talk about this and everything fashion with her. She has the best taste. I hope she approves of my quarantine sweat game. All right, we'll see. Here is Olivia. I want to hear just like how you got started in the fashion industry and then how that led you into just being like this journalist and podcaster and just all the different facets of what you do. I want to hear how it all began. I feel like I have a really unconventional story that is still making its way and as unconventional as ever, honestly. But I grew up dancing. I was a ballerina until I was about 18 years old. I totally thought that was going to be my my life plan until I kind of was like, oh, it's either you go into a professional realm or you go to college. And I, I really wanted to go to college. My sisters had all gone and it was something that I, I wanted to do. But that being said, you know, storytelling was always deeply ingrained in my bones. Like I was very, very comfortable with being center stage sharing the stage with people and telling a story without words, but mainly like bringing an audience into that story and captivating them. So I think that was something that was always instinctual to me and found its way into everything that I did, whether it was during fashion week, being at fashion shows, being in the fashion industry and helping designers tell their stories to now where I'm doing a little bit more of just the interview style work that I do now. So I went to NYU. I studied journalism. I studied fashion. I was super hungry for experience when I first got there. I think the day before I even started school, like the first day that I moved to New York, I got an internship at Teen Vogue. I had a friend of a friend that was looking for an intern and she was desperate for one. And I kind of was like, I'll do it. And it was was in entertainment, which I actually had zero uh, zero experience in. But 
I knew that if I wanted to work in fashion and I knew that just that proximity and just being there and having that experience could probably open up other doors for me. And it definitely did because six months after kind of busting my ass in entertainment, I asked to move to the fashion closet and they let me because I had been there and worked really hard. So that's something I always tell college students to do is like your first internship is not going to be a dream one, but it might open up the door to something else. Yeah. I mean, I think that's so valuable. I, and it's so weird because I got started pretty much the same way as you oh, at the I know. same magazine. <laughs> so that's so funny. But yeah, I feel like a lot of people, especially from us, want to hear like how to get into fashion because it feels like such an intimidating industry and you don't exactly know where to get started and you don't know exactly what you want to do. And so you kind of just like have to say yes to whatever at the beginning, like especially an internship. And you have to be willing to really like work hard and have a good attitude, even if it's something that you don't see yourself doing in the future, like making those connections at the beginning is so important. So when you started at Teen Vogue, did you have an idea of what you wanted to do, like what your end goal was? Or were you also kind of the same as me where you were like, I'm going to work in a bunch of different facets of the fashion industry and then figure out what I want to do? You know, it's really humbling to have this conversation with you because I think back in that time, there was a very distinctive like image of what it was like to work at a magazine and what it was mm-hmm. like to work in fashion. Mm-hmm. And I think you being at Teen Vogue and that whole era was very formative for a young woman like me who wanted to be in fashion. So thank you to you. I think like a lot of people, once you get into it, you kind of realize what it is within it that you like to do. It's not necessarily just the entire industry. So I think, you know, I knew storytelling always needed to be a part of it. Mm -hmm. I always thought I was going to be an editor to some extent. And I think at that time, a lot of personality brands were at the forefront where Mm -hmm. storytelling through your lens was something that we could do for like the first time ever. Mm -hmm. And so that was really appealing to me. And so I just kind of like chipped away at a bunch of different internships, to be honest, until I was in a point where I could refine what it was that I really liked. I think I was always just trying to figure out where... I could use my voice to help out the most in every single internship that I was trying until I got to a point where I was lucky enough to start writing for Forbes and kind of storytell on a larger level, which actually led me to start my own podcast. Right. Okay. So let's talk about writing for Forbes. It's so awesome that you can go from the fashion industry to writing about like a financial magazine like Forbes. What's really of articles, a crazy thing. It's really crazy. But I mean, at the same time, the fashion industry is something that Forbes obviously wants to cover. I mean, it's well, now it's not such a booming industry, but there's a lot of interesting coverage on it. What were some of the first stories that you wrote for them? What you just said kind of reminded me, and I think everybody should listen to it. There was a podcast that The Daily did about two days ago called Pajamas Forever. My husband listened to it. Pants Forever. Yes. He told me I have to listen to it. You, I, you especially, I, I was, it was a very emotional thing to listen to because I think it talked about a lot of what the fashion industry is going through right now, which is pretty mm-hmm. sad in terms of a lot of places closing down and, and a big mm-hmm. turnover of a lot of kind of the old ways of doing things, which is a good thing. I think the fashion industry needs to be reinvented a lot. The episode was particularly interesting because they talked about the fact that everybody has covered the impacts of COVID-19 on every industry, whether it's like the restaurant industry, the health industry, um, but no one's really done a deep dive into the fashion industry and the back end of it and what designers are going through and how the industry is about to go through a massive change from a production level to a schedule level, even with fashion weeks and 
kind of global meeting points like that. And I think that's something that Forbes was also trying to tap into at the time. As a business magazine, you know, this market, this industry is absolutely booming and really encapsulates so much of the world in terms of what we put on every day and setting global trends that actually trickle down into so many other parts of our lives that I think a lot of people who aren't in the fashion industry don't really realize. So I think Forbes really wanted to start working in that world. I know I was like one of their early fashion writers. I was writing about trends. I was doing even some travel stories. I think it was a great push for them in terms of adding more lifestyle and not just being this like business-oriented magazine. I think there was just so much. It was a new chapter for them in terms of talking more about like the business of lifestyle, which in and of itself is booming especially as like more personality brands were coming out about like all these like lifestyle moments, whether it was like hotels, restaurants, fashion lines, like all these things were coming to the forefront of people's attention. And it was a really exciting time to be at Forbes and be doing that. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, it's smart of Forbes to get someone that's really in the industry as opposed to any of like their staff writers. Like it's really important to get someone who's young and like who knows what's going on, who's really immersed in the fashion industry. So I give Forbes a lot of credit. So do you have writing experience before Forbes? Like, how did they find you? Yeah, so it was, my writing experience was not a a, a typical route. You know, I went to Gallatin, which is a writing-heavy school at NYU. It was a lot of essays, a lot of reading, and I had taken a lot of journalism courses. Like, I knew the foundation of it, and I and I knew how to write. I think it's something that, like, if anybody is listening that wants to be a writer, to me, it's a muscle mm-hmm. that you have to constantly flex. Like, write mm-hmm. every day to an extent, and you'll get better with practice 100%. But I actually got in touch with them because the agency that I was with at the time also represented Victoria's Secret from a PR perspective. Okay. And this was the first year that they were doing the Victoria's Secret fashion show in Paris. And they were looking for a young person who had a you know, journalism background to go and cover it for their Snapchat. I got to go to Paris for them and I covered backstage and I was interviewing a lot of the models. I did front of house coverage for them. And that was kind of my first introduction to working with them. And they loved the story that I wrote for them so much that they asked me to come on as one of like a freelance writer for them and cover fashion and lifestyle. And now a word from our sponsor. All right, you guys, it is that time of year again, that time where I feel like I need to get back into a normal routine, normal in quotes, because there really isn't any normal right now. But whether I'm feeling like having a relaxing or a totally active day or a mix of both, I like to make sure that I'm really nourishing myself with clean and delicious food. It is so important to my mental health, to my productivity, and to just feeling physically good. And that's why I always keep my freezer stocked with Daily Harvest. Daily Harvest delivers delicious food built on organic fruits and vegetables right to your door. It just takes a few minutes to prepare and I never have to question if the food I'm eating is actually good for me because they don't use preservatives, added sugar, or artificial ingredients. They work directly with farms to freeze their ingredients at peak ripeness. So great. I love knowing this. I love knowing that everything that I'm eating is like that fresh. With Daily Harvest, there's an option for any time of day. So you can do like a smoothie for breakfast, crisp flatbreads for lunch or dinner, and then maybe some comfort food for when the weather starts to cool down. Ooh, I'm so excited like that. They have amazing roasted harvest bowls and hearty soups. Everything stays fresh in your freezer until you're ready to enjoy it, helping you reduce food waste, which I know is something that I'm really trying to work hard on right now. 
They're also committed to minimizing their environmental impact. They're in the process of actually transitioning to 100% recyclable, plant-based, and renewable fiber packaging. So whether you're doing an at-home workout or going on a bike ride or a hike, Daily Harvest is the easiest way to eat undeniably delicious, clean food. Go to dailyharvest.com and enter promo code WITHWIT to get $25 off your first box. That's promo code WITHWIT for $25 off your first box at dailyharvest.com. That's dailyharvest.com. And now back to our chat. Okay. So speaking of the fashion industry right now, let's talk about that. Like, how are you consuming your fashion right now? I mean, obviously on a regular basis, like you'd be able to go into stores, you're going to fashion weeks, you're going to PR meetings, showrooms, like how is fashion playing a part in your life right now? Yeah, it's been a huge shift for me. At the beginning of quarantine, I was in LA and I've ended up staying in LA. I've moved a lot of my stuff back. I still feel a huge connection to New York and being there. But just for right now, since, you know, my boyfriend and my family are in LA, it's nice to be close to home in a time of a lot of uncertainty. But that being said, like my relationship with fashion has just evolved so much because I'm not inundated and surrounded by it and at the epicenter of it anymore. Right. It's really an interesting shift. But I think in consuming it, it's definitely like it's not the traditional way I used to in the sense that like I'm watching, you know, friends be at fashion weeks or Mm -hmm. I'm reading the news cycle and seeing what's new and what's coming out. But it's honestly refreshing to me. I've always been a really big advocate for a shift in the fashion industry in terms of like how much is being produced on an everyday basis and how much we're consuming. Mm -hmm. I think it's been really refreshing to see people in more casual clothing and see that whole side of the industry take off. Back to the episode that we were talking about on The Daily, it really focused on Entire World, which is an amazing sweatpant company and kind of basics. And seeing companies like that really skyrocket has been Mm -hmm. fun for me. I think I'm consuming fashion the majority of the time through Instagram at this point. I'm not like on Vogue Runway anymore. I'm not reading Women's Wear Daily as much as I used to. Mm -hmm. I think it's just a little bit more of a personal experience watching our friends and the people that we look up to in the fashion industry around the world take on fashion from a really like just personal comfort perspective. That's been a really different experience instead of seeing like the glam looks all the time. It's a hard thing. It's like how much if you're a fashion influencer, it's like you have to stay true to yourself, but you also love fashion and want to get dressed up. There is nothing wrong with going on Instagram and posting a photo of yourself in sweatpants. Like, there's really nothing wrong with that. It's how I find a lot of the loungewear brands that I love. I think there needs to be a little bit more of, like, a realistic perspective of social media through that lens. Like, we are in this time and age. Like, we are not going to be in cute outfits all the time. And that's okay. And those brands are still a big part of the fashion industry and are driving a lot and are still a part of the fabric of the fashion industry itself. So I think Mm -hmm. that's totally okay. But for me, I think I've always felt really good and empowered by putting a cute outfit on. And in the past six months, that's really rang true for me, where if I'm having Mm -hmm. a bad day, as I know probably 95% of the people on this podcast have had in the past couple months. Or are having right now. Or having right (laughs) now. Putting on something really cute and just feeling good in my home, whether Mm -hmm. it's kind of like what I'm wearing right now or Mm -hmm. like a nice long dress to walk around my house can change my day. So I think just being like honest about those things 
is really important. Like, I remember I did something on Instagram for Dior Beauty for their show. Maybe it was about a month ago. And I was wearing, like, a really cute blazer dress, and I had makeup on, and I was, you know, I had a full mascara look on. And um, (laughs) immediately after, I put sweatpants on, and I took a picture, and I was like, yep, back in sweats now. And that's just the reality of it. And I think we just have to be transparent about that. Like, what's wrong with that? I agree. No, there is, there really isn't anything wrong with it because I agree with you. When I do get dressed up, there's a level of confidence that I feel. It's really like palpable. It's not shallow. And I've talked about this before. Like, I don't think it's vain to care about how you look. Like, I think absolutely not, especially in these days when every day can melt into one. It's nice to define each one and to like display, like you said, your personality through your sense of style. Yeah. Who are some of the brands that you're loving right now? I mean, I want to hear the loungewear brands, but also just brands that you feel like you want to support because they have good missions and they're producing, you know, with the environment in mind, just like well-rounded, good brands to support. Yeah. My goodness, so many. First off, it's been amazing to see how many brands have really brought in a charity element to Mm -hmm. so many of their sales in the past six months, whether it's for racial justice programs or even COVID-19 response programs or climate change programs, especially as California is dealing with a lot of wildfires right now. Right. That's been really inspiring to see. Mm -hmm. If you guys are shopping, I would recommend like going and finding those brands and making sure that you're giving back to a good place. I love Donnie. I'm like a, like, I love love Donnie. Love Donnie. And you know what? Donnie's kind of loungewear, but I just, I won't call it loungewear. Like, it's just so cool. It's something that I feel like I can wear it any day. And I know that she's donating a, a portion of her sales to an organization. I'm sorry that I can't remember what it is, but it's it's on That's her Instagram. Fine. But yeah, so many, of, so many brands like that that are kind of reshaping my idea of loungewear are brands that like I am really excited about right now in terms of just the way that we, like, we get dressed and the way that I see the future of the fashion industry going. I am so, so excited about Brother Valley's right now for Aurora James, who mm-hmm. today, I'm sure you guys are listening to this in the future, but today she is on the cover of um, Vogue September issue for her Amazing. 15% pledge. And I am so excited to see the future of Brother Valley's moving forward. I love that brand just for its sustainability and just the creative vision of it. So that's something that I'm really looking forward to seeing. Yeah, she has really, really cute shoes. I have like a pair of her cowhide kind of Birkenstock Ugh, type slides. Her, those are my favorite ones. There's, those are my I favorite ones. I got them so long ago. Everyone thought I was crazy. No, and now they're so cute. They're, they're so cute. Like, and put on a jean, roll them up a little bit, put on one of her socks, put them on and just go to the farmer's market. Yeah, the I best. got the slouch socks too. And they're so cute. Like every time they're clean, I wear the slouch socks. Same. Why does everybody hate on Birkenstocks? That's my question. <sighs> Do, I like, mean, I have like 12 pairs and I love them. I want them in every color. Like same. I don't get it. I, I completely agree. I feel like whenever I don't know what shoes to wear, like just choose Birkenstocks because they go with everything and they're so comfortable. I right. like the um the rubber ones too. I have them in black I have, I don't, and I don't blue. have those yet, but I heard they're great. Oh, you have to get them. They're like, like $50 and they're so comfortable. I think even more comfortable than the um, cork ones, but also they're doing skincare, which is crazy, by the way, like made out of cork like ingredients. (laughs) Yeah. But you see what I mean? Like this is like exactly what we're talking about, where all of these brands are reinventing to an extent. I don't know if the skincare Birkenstock move has anything to do with what's going on in our current time, but like it's really cool to see all these brands like kind of take a sharp left from like what they were doing in an effort to not only survive financially, but like also probably keep the people that they 
employ going and, and things like that. So it's it's cool. It's a cool time to like see reinvention. It is very cool. And it's important to be able to pivot. Like, I think it was really hard for people at the beginning. Obviously, a lot of jobs lost, like just so much suffering. And so people don't know what to do with themselves and companies didn't know where to go. But I think that people will see that humanity, they they want to help. They want to give back. People still want to shop. People still want to support. And it's all about just creating what you do in a way that actually is usable by the consumer, by the modern consumer. I want to get into your podcast, Friend of a Friend. So how did you get this started? And what was like your mission when you wanted to start it? Oh my gosh. I love this question because it is truly the epitome of reinvention. I started Friend of a Friend as a junior in college, just for fun, something that I thought would challenge me and keep me inspired. Coming from a dance background, I was really disciplined. Like, I would go to school every day till 3 and dance until 9 p.m. my entire life, and that was my life. So when I went to college and I just had class in the morning, like I was bored. Hence the internships aplenty and what kind of led me to start Friend of a Friend, which was this idea that you can find all the best things just by asking a friend who will tell you that another friend told them about this place and all the things that feel unattainable are just kind of a phone call away. Totally. That was my perspective when I started it, which was originally a website. I had a couple writers that were also college students at NYU at the time, and we were talking about everything from new hotels, new restaurants. I would have fellow students of mine who were traveling to cool places do like travel takeovers on the website. But the hero product of the website was me doing interviews with talent that I knew that I think Mm -hmm. were at the time doing, you know, really cool things and, and making kind of a dent in the pop culture space. So I had done interviews with Simi Hayes, who are now really big DJs and are really creative, amazing sisters who I, I love and adore. Sophia Richie was on there. Gigi Hadid was on there. And all just people that I like were like, oh, you guys are doing something cool. Like, why don't I interview you? And, you know, if you want to take over the website and talk about some places you love, like it was just this really easy, fun thing that people kind of love to jump in on and and do. Over time, you know, I kind of grew up a little bit and I didn't love the blog world anymore. And I wanted to have a little bit more of something that felt truer to me. And so in the spirit of reinvention, I I got rid of the website and and kept going with what I knew people loved the most, which were the entrepreneurial interviews. And at the time, the podcast world was really just booming. I feel like it was the time that Dear Media was really starting to come to fruition. And there were so many incredible, inspiring voices in the space. I decided to move it over to a podcast. So Friend of a Friend started about a year and a half ago. And we drop every Monday. And I interview young entrepreneurs across the board in, you know, a bunch of different fields that I think are just doing something really cool. And my like promise to my listeners is that you can always come on the show and you'll walk away learning something new. Yeah. I mean, that's the most important thing is that you have some sort of like value add. Right. And I think a lot of people listening to your podcast maybe are entrepreneurs themselves and need some tips, some mantras, some words of wisdom and like how to get started. But I also always say like being an entrepreneur is not for everybody. And I think in this day and age, like, it's like shoved down everybody's throats that you kind of need to start something and like be your own thing. And Mm -hmm. I think it's not, it doesn't need to be about that all the time. But if you do, like you will always come on the show and learn something about yourself or the way that you can work in a corporate environment, a way that you can, you know, learn and grow, whether it's like in relationships with your family or your friends, like there is something to be learned across the board 
for anybody that decides to come on the show and listen. I don't want people yeah. to think that they need to like be these entrepreneurs when they come on the show. I think you can be entrepreneurial in your life no matter what. No, I, I think that is actually such a good message because I think that can be really overwhelming. And yes. then people think that there is just too much to conquer and it stops them and inhibits them from really finding that thing that really makes them passionate. And that's why I've, I've actually had people, like our guest this week is Fanny Bordet-Denon, who is the head of special projects at Dior. And, you know, mm-hmm. she hasn't started a business, but she's been so entrepreneurial in her approach to the way that she has worked within Dior, that even things like that, I think, can have such a huge impact on people. So it's not just about you kind of hustling and starting something for yourself and that like typical vision of an entrepreneur. It really runs the spectrum of the way that we can rethink the idea of being an entrepreneur today. Right. It's like, what feels the most true to you? Like, and how can I help you get there? Like, what kind of little tips and tricks can I give you to help you get to like your end goal? Yes. That's really great. That's really awesome. And now a word from our sponsor. Things may have changed around us, but our inner drive to be there for people we care about runs deeper than ever. It's so important that we take care of our neighbors. We have even this neighbor down the street who doesn't really get out much, and Timmy's constantly asking her what she needs, if she's okay. And it's just important to think outside of your own box right now because there are so many other people in need. And that's not me sitting here asking you guys to give your hard-earned money out but there's so many different things you can do because when we come together as a community, we empower ourselves to make meaningful change, even if that is just like checking up on your neighbors and saying hi. So our normal has changed and we're all finding new ways to connect and continue supporting one another. We started social distancing when we spent time with friends and family. I mean, for my family right now, I can only see them outside with masks on. And we're also trying to do as much as we can to support and advocate for underrepresented communities. I'm working with Until We Do It with my Rent the Runway collection. So there's all sorts of ways that I know everyone can get involved, even if they're very small and minute. What we need more than ever now is an easy way to support each other from afar. So here's what I have for you guys. With the PayPal app, sending and receiving money is faster or easier. You can really stay connected with the people you love. You can quickly and securely send money to friends and family just about anywhere in the world. You can also start a money pool to split the bill, go in on a gift, or fundraise for a good cause. I especially like that last idea. It's so helpful to not feel like you're in it alone or to think that you giving doesn't make that big of a difference with PayPal. If you get a little money pool together, you guys can actually fundraise for a good cause. You can also support the places and causes you care about most. So you can make touch-free QR code payments at your favorite local restaurant or farmer's market. You can also donate to a local nonprofit or support a cause from across the country. PayPal is making it easy to pay safely, quickly, and easily. Download the PayPal app today. Terms and conditions apply. And now back to our conversation. So what do you see next for yourself? Oh my goodness. I love, (laughs) I mean, to begin with, I am so grateful to be in the place that I am right now. And I think acknowledging Mm -hmm. that is really important. I think it's, you know, asking what's next, what's the five-year plan, like all of those things are great in terms of setting a goal and thinking of a roadmap to get there. But I always like to say that, like, I'm so grateful for where I am in this moment because the podcast industry is so cool and so exciting to me right now in the sense that, like, you don't have to be, 
you can be a part of it and it doesn't need to be your life and your career. And there's not right. a lot of industries that you can say that about. That's true. If you're a doctor, you need to be a doctor doing it professionally. You can't just do it for yeah. fun. So we are a really rare industry where we can have people in there that are just doing it to like storytell and archive their life. And that's kind of what I feel it's like it is for me right now, where like in 20 years from now, I can look back not only at my journey, but the journey of so many people that I admire. And I think that's really rare. So I, I'm going to like relish in that for a couple of years and as you be should. grateful to the podcast industry for that. And I really just want it to grow. Like I think mm-hmm. I'm only a year in and that's really exciting for me in terms of growth and attracting mm-hmm. a new audience. I would love to have a talk show one day because that's just the inner journalist in me. Yes. (laughs) But I think also like what's even exciting about that is like reimagining what a talk show could look like in the next couple of years through, you know, all the different platforms that we have, but also like with a female lead. Like we don't have a lot of mainstream shows that have female leads. So I think that's something that's really exciting to me. That's definitely a goal of mine. And I I hope I can get there too. You will. A hundred percent you will. It's a totally achievable goal. And I think it's it's cool that you aren't looking at this from such like a granular perspective. It, you're really staying present. You're really staying in this moment. You're really just focusing on what you're doing right now. And when people ask me that question too, like, what's your five, 10 year plan? Like, where do you see yourself in 10 years? I'm always just like, oh my God, so much could happen. It's like yeah, almost impossible so for me to tell you. Uh, like I can give you maybe a couple one-liners, you know, obviously I hope to still be married, maybe another child, like things that I feel like I can control. But other than that, it is sometimes such an impossible question to answer. So people shouldn't feel that much pressure, you know, unless they're the type of person that needs a plan. But I, like you, like don't really need a set plan. I like things to just kind of like happen organically and, and be in the moment. It's so important that we be in the moment. Let's talk about system of service. The world needs more people like you. Thanks. But what is, what's the goal here? Yeah. So a little bit of background. System of service is an organization that I started with my best friend, Joe Holder. He's been on my show many times if you guys want to learn more about him. But system of service was actually his idea. And he wanted a partner that kind of saw it from the same perspective as him. But it's essentially a way that we want to galvanize our communities to go and give back a very physical, tangible way. Um, I think we were both really, we, you know, we started talking about it and ideating on it after the 2016 election. What a time. Mm -hmm. That was the beginning of so much social activism on social media, which is a beautiful thing. And I think, as we've seen in the past couple of months, can really make change. But, you know, I grew up going to different places in my community and even around the world and giving back to communities in need. I've been in orphanages in India, in Tanzania, in Thailand, all around the world. And I think that physical element of being face to face with another human and feeling that humanity versus just sending in a donation via Instagram, there's something really different in that experience. And we really wanted to encourage even just our friends and give them an opportunity and a safe space to do so. Because I do think it can be intimidating at times for people to actually sign up and physically go somewhere. You don't know if you're going to know somebody. You don't know what the experience is going to be like. So that was really our mission was like, how can we get people excited and involved in making a difference in our own backyard? It doesn't need to be this like big thing that feels really distant and polarized. There's so much that we can do even just down our street. And we really showcase that by living in New York and doing events last year. We were down at the Bowery Mission. We replanted a garden in Brooklyn. 
And, you know, we were doing that once a month with incredible partners like Nike and Smartwater and Dyson and really helping them bring their own, you know, corporate missions to life through our community, which was amazing. And then COVID happened where physical touch points are not as easy. So, you know, it's been interesting for us to kind of sit down and reimagine what that looks like. I still would like to really encourage everybody listening to try and find some way to give back in a physical way. There are Mm -hmm. so many places in probably all of your cities that are open for volunteers. I know I've posted a lot about a few of them in New York City. But, you know, as we are trying to kind of figure out what that looks like in the future, I think that there is still so much work that needs to be done and people shouldn't be afraid to go out and seek those opportunities in a very safe way, obviously. Mm -hmm. To me, that's how I've always felt like I've made the biggest difference is like, you know, using my physical being, whether it's like even on my podcast or even through SOS, like using my physical being to help other people find their power and their strength Mm -hmm. and and make a difference in their life. That is so important. I mean, and giving back physically is so much different than just clicking a button and saying donate. And that's not to say that donating is not important because obviously money talks and and it's something that organizations need. But I think like not only are you doing something amazing for someone else, but I think that the satisfaction and the confidence and security it gives you is really powerful too. And that's not selfish. Like, I don't think that you're a bad person if you go and and do some charity work and then like feel good about yourself afterwards. Like that's not, that's humanity. Like that's really like the essence of being a good human. And I think that it's so important to do. As Joe says very often, like the best form of self-care is being of service to others. And I think Mm -hmm. it's, he also says, you know, it's like a muscle that we have to flex all the time and it needs to be part of our daily life the same way that we, you know, work out or go get a facial or things like that. Like it's all a form of, you know, being a human on this earth and giving back and helping, helping our next door neighbor and, you know, also being able to give back to ourselves. Yeah. Now more than ever. And I don't want this to sound like make people feel any pressure to go do something. I know everyone has like their plate so full right now and everyone feels like they're constantly giving, 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 or at least right. that's how I feel like with a husband and a, and a child and a job and blah, blah. I'm like, yeah. how do I find the time? But there's just like, there's little, little, little things you can do. Like whatever it is professionally that you're doing, like try to incorporate a charity component 100%. into it. Like try to be highlighting, you know, charities that you're passionate about on your Instagram. You don't just need to be posting about what everybody else is posting, but find like what really speaks to you. Where can everybody find you? I mean, obviously friend of a friend podcast. Yes. You can find me on the friend of a friend pod. It's on Dear Media. We're like pretty much everywhere where you listen to podcasts. Mm -hmm. And I'm on Instagram at Liv Perez. Amazing. Yeah. So nice. (laughs) I'm so glad I got to come on. Thank you so much. Oh my gosh. My pleasure. My pleasure. Thank you guys so much for listening. I hope you loved this episode. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. I'd love to hear what you think and anything more or even less you'd want to hear about. Tune in every Tuesday for a new episode. If you want to know more about what I'm up to, you can find me on Instagram at Whitney Eve Port, my website, WhitneyPort.com, and my YouTube channel, Whitney Port. Peace in the streets.